So like Matt said, tonight we are talking about the word. And this started um, just kind of through prayer and stuff. Um, so this year, this semester, one of my classes, how many of you guys are ready to be done with classes? Woo! All right, one of my classes is called hermeneutics. Anybody know what that is? No. So it's a book on, or it's a book, there's many books. It's a class on how to study the Bible, okay? And I was telling my son about this. He's like, what is that book about? Because I was reading this book the other day. Okay. And I said, oh, it's, it's all about how to study the Bible. Like, this, this chapter is about how to study the Gospels. The next one is about how to study Acts. He said, that sounds horrible. Um, he's like, I would love to read the Bible, but I would not like to read a book about how to read the Bible. Um, so you might be with him. But it kind of got me thinking because a lot of times we just say, you know, as Kai Alpha staff, as campus pastors and stuff, we say, read the Bible. And that's all we say. Right? And you're just supposed to figure it out. So this is kind of like part encouragement to read the word, right? Part how to read it, and then like a little lesson in the middle about how we should value it. Cool? Um, so we ask you in breakout groups if you're ready for the end of the semester, right? So who was ready for like a particular class to end? Oh, right? And, like, anybody, like, ready to, like, not have papers, not have exams, just, like, rest for a minute? No more tests. Anybody? Like, some of y'all are resting, right? Some of y'all are, are not resting. But so I'm going to come up here, and I'm going to tell you this. This summer, you need to study. Right? Boo! But, okay, this, this summer, really, I encourage you to, if you have a little bit of time back, um, from studying and your normal flow of stuff, take time to learn to study the Bible, right? And it doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be a giant book about how to study the Bible, right? Um, but I really encourage you to learn how to study the Bible because that's probably even more important than learning to study the things that you're studying in your majors and things because it's foundational. And what you've learned in the Bible lasts into eternity, okay? So I'm going to tell you to study this summer, Boo, but, but really, learn to study the Bible summer. So why? It's the word of God. We're going to follow Christ and be a people who do what he says. We have to know what he says to do, right? And many, many times, you guys, I've met Christians, and they're like, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I follow his word. I'm like, oh, cool. What's your favorite part of his word? Mm-mm. Right? And so we ask, what's your favorite Bible story? And it's like, if you're like, I don't know, that's Okay. Okay, everybody has to start somewhere. You guys, I did not grow up in church every Sunday, in Sunday school every Sunday morning. I was not a kid, okay? And so when I got saved at age 15 and I started going to youth group, our youth pastor would say, we all know the story of Samson. And I was like, who's that? That's a weird name. Is it a boy or a girl? Um, you know, like, I mean, really, I was, uh, and now I know the story of Samson, I know the story of Gideon, um, you know, I know the story of Daniel and the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I know any of those, so we all got to start somewhere. So if you're like, I have no clue what any of those names are, Jackie, okay, you're in good company, because I was there with you, but you can learn, right? Um, so how do we know, how do we do what he says to do if we don't read the Bible? We can't, right? We got to see what he says to do to do it. And I really, really encourage you in this. Don't just trust me if I say the Bible says this. Don't just trust Matt if Matt says the Bible says this. Go look. Go say, where does it say that? And go find it. 
right? Because every once in a while, not us, we really try to teach you the truth, right? But every once in a while, people arise and they're like, the Bible says this. Like, what was it, Jade? She can't even remember it. We were talking about it earlier. But, but like, the cleanliness is next to godliness. Anybody ever heard that one? Yes. Right? I had an aunt swear to me that's in the Bible. It's not there. Okay? Sometimes, so many times people quote, so what was it? Yeah, the man who knows something knows they knows nothing at all. Okay? Not me. Right? And so we got to know, because sometimes people will be like, that's in the Bible. <laughs> and if you know the word of God, you can say, no, it's not. <laughs> that's somewhere. That's, somebody said it, but it was not my God. All right. So I posit this question, and you ladies that have been in my group, my um, life group have probably heard this, right? But if Matt wrote me a love letter, Right? If he wrote me a love letter, what should I do? Read it. Read it, right? Read Okay, well, so you guys, when Matt and I were in college, we would spend the summers apart. I'm from Atlanta. He's from Memphis. We're both at UT Knoxville. In the summer, we had to go home. And so we would write love letters. Aww. We would write love letters. And you guys, sometimes... <laughs> sometimes the love letters were long. Oh. Okay, so what if... I had got one of these many-pages love letters from Matt, and I was like, well, this is a lot. <laughs> so I'm just going to open to the middle. <laughs> and I'm going to pick a sentence here, and that'll, that'll give me the general gist of how much he loves me. Would that have been really understanding Matt's love letter? No. And do you think it crushes you knew, like, Jackie only read one sentence? <laughs> okay. But don't we do that? Don't we do that with the Bible? Like, we just, we're like, grab the thing. We're like, what do you have for me today, God? Like, it's a magic eight ball. Let it fall open. <laughs> and then we're like, that's my word, you know? And, um, and it's like, Jesus wept. You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to get from that, but I, maybe I'm about to be crying, too. And it's like, no. Like, we need to learn to study, okay? Um, so, so, but, like, say he wrote me this really long love letter. I know he loves me. Do I need to read it? Yeah, yeah. Do I need to read it? Right? What if I know? What if I know that it's gonna say that he loves me, and maybe he thinks I'm pretty, and maybe like maybe he wants to marry me someday? Should I still read it? Yeah. Why? It was dedication. Right, right. Because he took time to write it. He showed dedication. Right, he wrote it to me. Right, he made it. Right, so I should read it. And and so, I mean, I I know there's like different ways to put it, but like, the Bible, it's God's letter to us. And we talked about earlier Easter. We're gonna talk about it a little bit more. Like Jesus, ultimately, like he came to this earth. He didn't have to. Right? And he suffered and died on a cross for us because he loved us. Like, that's not just, like, mushy-gushy feelings. Okay, Matt's a great husband. It's, it's not just that. Either. It's not just mushy-gushy feelings and love letters. Like, that is, like, sacrificial, real love. Right? And then he rose from the dead, which is what we celebrate at Easter. And, and now we have this book, right, that says who he is and, and how we can relate to him, how we can know him, how we can follow him. Right? It's kind of like a love letter. It's a long love letter, right? But I, I need to read it. And just for fun, brought a little Matt love letter. Oh, I didn't yeah. bring any of the long ones because I thought y'all would read it. And uh, oh. I just brought 
my card. Because um, I like to sit them around, all right? So tonight we're going to talk about the importance of God's word in our lives. And then a little bit about how to read it. Um, so the importance of God's word. I've been reading through the book of Jonah. So does anyone know who Jonah was? Who Jonah was? Huh? Huh? Okay, what? The man in the big fish. The man flowered and died. It was... It was a plant, yeah. On a, on a show. Anyway, he went to Nineveh. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay, what other? He disobeyed God. He disobeyed God. He got thrown over. Okay. Vomited by the fish. I like that. Like 40 days. 40 days. See, and now it's it's digressed to things. Though the animals do wear clothes <laughs> in Jonah, you're gonna have to read it to find that because we're not gonna talk about that. But I'm promising you, sometimes the word of God is specific, and if you read it carefully, it's funny. Animals wear clothes in Jonah. You can find it later. So I've been reading Jonah, and. So we're going to look at the first four verses, and we're going to kind of talk about that. This is before he ends up in the belly of the fish and being vomited out and then getting the second shot, second chance, right? Yeah. Okay, this is before all of that, and it's completely like skipping over what he actually says to them and his reaction to all of this afterwards. But it's only four chapters, so you guys could like totally go home and read it even tonight. Um, but in verses 1 and 2, it says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amatai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. So here we have it that Jonah gets a direct word from God. Okay, God speaks to him and he's a prophet. So this kind of thing we can kind of infer is normal-ish for him, right? If he's named a prophet, that means he's, he's heard from God. We can see other places in Kings and Chronicles where like Jonah is mentioned, so he was like, in this office of prophet, God speaks to him, God speaks to him, go to Nineveh and announce my judgment, okay? So verses three and four tell us Jonah's response to this. It says, but Jonah got up, went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Say Tarshish. Tarshish. It's a weird word. He bought a ticket and went on the boat hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. God spoke to Jonah, and Jonah was like, not fam. And he went the complete opposite direction. And um, so there's a map. Okay? You can see, like, Israel, this area. He goes, he goes to Joppa. Now, I want you to notice how close Nineveh is and how far Tarshish is. Right? So this dude is like, like he's not just running the opposite direction. He is running the opposite direction away from the will of God. Um, and so I was, I was reading, I was saying this, and one person said, so like Jonah didn't want to travel to Nineveh. So he goes in the opposite direction and he has to go at least twice as far. We don't really know when the whole thrown overboard, swallowed by fish incident happened. Um, but he has to go at least twice as far to get back to the people when he finally decides to obey. And later he decides to obey, um, but he's still got some like mad feelings about it, so that's interesting. You can read about it later. So we see here in these first four verses that Jonah has a very unique relationship to God's word. Jonah would say that he is a prophet, 
He speaks the words of God that God speaks to him. But when it comes to actually receiving God's word and putting it into action himself, he's a functional unbeliever. Right? Because God speaks to him, and he's like, no, I know better. And so, does he believe God's word? But he's a prophet. You should believe God's word, right? But no, he, he acts as an unbeliever. And I think, like, sometimes in our walk, it's really easy for us to, like, say one thing. And we're like, oh, I believe that. But then, functionally in our lives, our lives speak a message that we believe something very, very different. And it's really important for us as believers in Jesus Christ for those to be the same. Like, what we profess with our mouth that we believe and how we actually live our life, those need to match. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times they don't. And here, Jonah is not matching, right? He is, like, out loud saying, I'm God's man, I'm a prophet, I, like, speak God's word to Israel, and he is acting completely like a rebellious person who does not trust God at all. So tonight, I want to ask you, what is your relationship to God's word? Not talking about the same thing as relationship to Jesus Christ, though if you don't know Jesus, we want you to. That's really important. But how do you live your life in relation to God's word? And so this little bit, this is from Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal Prophet. He says things better than me, so I'm just going to reiterate them to you. But I really, this really stuck out to me and uh, resonated in my heart. God commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh, but he ran in the very opposite direction. Why did he do it? Anybody know why? Maybe scared. Maybe he didn't want to see them give less. They were their enemies of Israel. Um, okay, let's see. It says the root of Jonah's disobedience was his mistrust in the goodness of God. He did not believe that God had his best interest at heart. So if he was scared, if he was afraid that God might bless these people that are enemies to the Jewish people at this time, like. No matter what it was, he didn't believe that God had Jonah's best interest at heart. He didn't trust him. Tim Keller says this, You must understand that all sin against God is grounded in a refusal to believe that God is more dedicated to our good and more aware of what that is than we are. Did you hear that? God is more dedicated to your good and more aware of what is good for you than you are. That's, that's a pretty big deal. We distrust God because we assume that he's not truly for us, that if we give him complete control, we will be miserable. And that's true. Like, sometimes we're like, man, if I do the God thing, I'm going to be miserable. We don't trust that he has our best interests at heart. Sin always begins with the character assassination of God. We believe that God has put us in a world of delights, but he's determined that he will not give them to us if we obey him. And, like, so when we distrust God... Tim Keller says, that's character assassination. That's like we're saying with our mouth, you're good, but we're living, I don't really believe you're good, right? I don't really believe that, that you're doing good on my behalf. One of the main reasons we trust God too little is because we trust our own wisdom too much. We think we know far better than God how our lives should go and what will make us happy. And because of our deep distrust of God's goodness and word, we do everything we can to get out from under his hand. Specific details vary, but the deep heart song of I have to look out for myself is always there. So, you guys, Jonah mistrusted God, and he ran in the other direction. The mission that God gave Jonah meant possible death and suffering. So, yeah, it was possible. He was afraid. 
um, if you if you go and you study about who these people in Nineveh were, they were horrible. Like, they were terrible people. Um, but God still gave Jonah a mission to go to them, right? And he still had a plan. Here's the thing, though. The mission that God gave Jesus meant certain death. It meant infinite suffering, and yet he went. He wasn't thinking of himself, but of us. The cup, and we'll read about that in a minute, the cup of which Jesus spoke when he said, let this cup pass from me, not your will but mine, not my will but yours be done, right? Jesus prayed that in the garden. The cup of which Jesus spoke referred to Christ bearing in our place the divine wrath on sin. That was our penalty, right? So we're we're talking about Jonah and we're like, well, he was afraid maybe he would get hurt. Jesus came knowing. He came knowing that he would suffer and die. And yet he decided to do that. And if we see Jesus doing that for us, if we take the wonder of that deep into our hearts, it'll finally kill off the stubborn belief that we can't trust in God's goodness. Like we really stop and meditate on what this means. This Easter, this Jesus going to the cross and rising from the dead. Then that will kill off the part of us that's stubborn and doesn't want to believe that God is good and he's working for our good. And then we can begin to say he's good. So if you see Jesus trusting God in the dark, in the garden, which is what we'll read about in just a minute, we'll be able to trust him when things are confusing and difficult for us as well. Right? Because Jesus trusted God, and that didn't, it didn't look good, right? In that moment, knowing, hey, I get to come, and I get to, like, put on human flesh, and then I get to get beaten and mocked and die. Like, does that sound like a fun plan? No. But, like, um, the way it puts it in Hebrews is for the joy set before him. Because he knew that past that beating, past that mocking, past that suffering and death, there was life and life for all of the people that he would purchase that, that freedom for, which is a big thing. But it's like Jesus had the faith to look past it, right? And he sets that example for us. Um, so it seems fitting to kind of pause our lesson there and just kind of consider the fact that this is Holy Week, right? This is the week that we celebrate Easter. Um, and it's the week that we remember that Jesus would ultimately go to the cross and die for our sins and the three, late, three days later rise from the dead, conquering sin and death forever. Um, and it was like really interesting because last weekend I was in the Passion Play, which is like basically the story of Jesus' life, particularly the last week of his life up to the crucifixion and then at the end of the play he rises from the dead. Um, and it was like something about the physical representation, like, that dude was not Jesus, right? He was the director's son. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, like, that lady that was weeping over him, that was not Mary. That was just a lady playing his mother. But seeing the physical representation really made it, like, real again. And then, like, one of the coolest things is, like, our last performance was Palm Sunday. And it was Palm Sunday. And so, like, to get to, like, even though it's, like, it's fiction, it's portraying something that actually happened, you get to, like, run through, like, a sanctuary and, like, scream Hosanna, like, he's come. Like, there was something that was just, like, so real about that, but it made me think, like, man, sometimes we don't stop to think, you know, we're, like, there's bunnies and eggs, and now Oreo has, like, an Easter egg that's apparently really good, and, like, you know, the Easter bunny is creepy, but we put babies on its lap to take pictures of it, and, like, we just get lost in it, 
you know, and then we got to get, like, our swag. Like, ladies, you get, like, your Easter dress and, like, your heels or, like, guys, like, you get, like, spiffied up, right? And, um, and everybody's got, like, fresh for Easter morning. But, like, we get so lost in it that we, we don't pause and we don't stop and we don't think, like, this real Jesus, like, he really did this. And um, so tonight we're just going to pause for a second and think about what today was, right? Because it was cool because Sunday I got to stop and think, like, man, okay, it's not actual Palm Sunday. That happened a long time ago, but I, I'm getting to remember that. So, like, what was Thursday? What was Thursday in Holy Week? Can anybody outline Holy Week? The last, the last supper. The last supper. Yeah? So what came after the last supper? Spraying in the garden? Got arrested? Yeah. Yeah, no, but I mean, so I don't know. Did anybody wake up this morning thinking like, this is, this is that, that day in Holy Week that, like, Jesus ate with his disciples, right? And then he went to the garden and he prayed. And he prayed so hard that he started sweating drops of blood. Like, that is some agonizing prayer, right? Like, he was looking not just at the fact that you have to die. A lot of times we read it and we're like, well, he did not want to die. I don't think anybody does. That's fair. But it was, it was not just that, but he was, like, literally struggling with the fact that he was going to take the sin of all of humanity, past and present, onto himself, and he was going to suffer under that. Like, God incarnate was going to suffer under that. In like, um, you know, when we think of, when we think of that, Jonathan Edwards actually wrote, like, a book on it called The Agony of Christ, um, which is, like, heavy, but, like, so beautiful, because you just realize, like, Jesus' prayer in the garden, what he was wrestling with, and how huge it was. And the fact that he decided to say, like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't want to do this, but I'm, I will. Um, like, it's amazing, right? So he prayed so hard and in such agony that he ended up sweating drops of blood. We're going to kind of read. We're going to kind of read this and just, and just soak this in. Then we're going to talk about how to read the word. But it seems adequate to read the word if we're going to talk about how to read the word. Right? So Matthew 26, 36. It says, then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed, and he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Because I don't, I don't know about you, but like, that's a heavy prayer. You're like, my soul is like crushed. Please be here with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, Praying, my Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watching, pray, so you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I mean, like, think about that. Like, even he's, like, told his best friends, like, I am grief. I'm grieving. I am in complete anguish. I need you to be here with me. And they fall asleep. Anybody ever been there where you, like, really need a friend? And, like, there's not a friend, right? Like, um, and it's like, this is the night before he's going to die. He knows it. Like, that's heavy. But then, like, as we read this, we realize that, like, man, in those moments, can Jesus understand? Can we feel alone? Yeah. He can really understand. He can really, really 
Um, so he says, pray that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away, unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open. They were tired. I guess they had a big dinner at the last supper. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same thing again, and then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs, and they had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. And like, just, our pastor filled this in on, on Sunday. This was like a group of like 600 people that came to arrest Jesus. Um, it was not like one or two men, which just is like baffling. Um, the traitor Judas had given them a pre-arranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed. And he gave him the kiss. And Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested them. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out a sword and struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for a thousand angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? So like, this shows us he knew. Like he knew what he was doing. He was fully aware. And I just think it's really interesting because we're here on Thursday and Holy Week. We don't really have to read on I think we put like a lot up there. Um, but like, so... Anybody going to go sleep after this? Like, eventually you're going to do some homework, go to bed. Jesus probably didn't sleep on Thursday of Holy Week. Like, when I was thinking about that, I'm like, he probably didn't sleep. It was that night, early the next morning, that he was denied by Peter. And Peter denied him three times. And the rest of his disciples fled. And sometime between Thursday night and Friday, he was beaten and mocked. And ultimately, he carried his cross up the hill outside Jerusalem and was crucified on Friday. He died for our sins. If Jesus loved us like that, isn't the word that he's left for us worth reading? Right? Isn't it? And like, so here's the really interesting thing. Right? Really interesting thing. Is like, as I've been teaching you that, we're going to have like some, some like helpful tips on how to study the Bible. You'll see it, that it's like, as I teach, and we all recognize it as Matt teaches, there are things that we do and like little things that we add in and it's it's just from reading the word and reading it carefully. And so like you'll you'll see it and that's why I wanted to read a portion of scripture. But first I have a little bit of a game. So I need three volunteers. He said I'm yeah. uh, okay. Come on, Hope. Come on. Yeah, you gotta come up here. Come on, Hope. Hashtag enters, right? Alright. Oh, that's horrible. That is, there we go. So this this is just to like drive home, um, like our point our point made earlier. So who's gonna go first, second, and third? I want to go second. Go. Oh, first. All right, hope come here. All right. So what we're gonna do is I have three books. They're not the Bible. Okay. So in a second, when it's your turn, you're gonna close your eyes. I'm gonna open the book. And then the person next to you is going to point to a sentence. And I just want you to read it. 
and we're going to see if we can figure out much about this book. Okay? We're going to see if we can figure it out. Okay? So we'll close your eyes. Stay closed. Because you can't see the book. Okay. I'm trying to remember what order I put them up there. I don't know what order. It doesn't matter. They're all big books. They came from my shelf. Oh. All right, so just put your finger. Anywhere? Anywhere. Anywhere. Read that sentence. Wait, me? Yeah, read, yeah. read it out loud. I can open my eyes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> read it out loud. No, I was like, <laughs> he shrugged. He shrugged, pulled out his little scrap of paper from his jeans pocket and flicked it to, across the table to me. <laughs> What book is that? I have no idea. <laughs> What's it about? Apparently about Will's Scrapper. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You have no idea? Nope. You see? Uh-huh. It's Wonder. I've never heard of it. Have <laughs> you guys heard Wonder? Yeah. I just pulled these off of my desk. Okay. You gotta hear So we don't... <laughs> I can't believe you can guess that, though. <laughs> can't believe you can guess that. I mean, on, there was a whole, a whole no sentence. Serious, man. Can't even say what that chapter was about, man. All right, all right. You next, you next. Okay. Your eyes closed. Oh, this is pretty good. I don't know. And it's like a thousand pages. All right. <laughs> it is definitely not. All right, pick, 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 pick in. Pick in. That is. Sorry. That's a lot of sentences. Pick in. I begged my parents for a sibling. You're a little hard. I about having a brother or sister, but now, no thanks. All right. All right. Okay. Um, okay, but this one's way more well known. Is it? This one's way more well known. You read a few more. Okay. You'll, you'll figure out what it's about. She's got a whole paragraph. What's the book about? Um, um, a baby. You getting the point? That's not one. It's not about a baby. It's <laughs> That's a maze. I actually read that book. Ron, as they learn on the 
fence looking up at it. Is that one? No. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which one? The prisoner of Azkaban. It was right. Oh. All right. All right. I couldn't give it to Anna because she's like the ultimate Harry Potter. Okay. They're not in order. Give them a hand. They did. They did the funny activity thing. Okay. Okay. So this is kind of like to reiterate the point that it's like we need to know like the full story of the Bible, right? Maybe I'm not saying from beginning like you read the whole thing, right? But just to be able to read it, we need to have a working knowledge of life, okay? Genesis, it's like Adam and Eve, and then they sin, right? And we move on to like Tower of Babel and the flood, into Abraham and God's chosen people, right? Chosen people are a big deal. We carry that all the way through the Old Testament, right? And, and like, just kind of, that's just the beginning. But it's good to have, like, a working knowledge of, of, like, Genesis to Revelation, what's happening. So when we read, we can figure out, like, hey, where's that fit in here? And, like, who are these people and who are they talking to? And just because context is what, right? Like, it would have... The Hogwarts one was a little bit helpful, right? We got a key word, and we're like, okay, this is at least Harry Potter. But it could have been one of how many books? Right? And, and so it's like we're still kind of lost, right? We're still kind of lost in, in, like, what's happening, what's going on. Um, and so it's kind of just to reiterate, like, how it doesn't work if we just grab the Bible and let it fall open and, like, pick one. It's like, yeah, okay, it might be interesting, and we might attach a meaning to it that means something to us. But when we read the Bible, we can't first ask, like, what does the scripture mean to me? Right? Eventually we get there. But first we've got to figure out, like, what the scripture means. Usually we do that by, like, knowing where it falls in there. And then figuring out, like, the original. Not that yet. Um, <laughs> see everybody reading over my shoulder. And I was like, we'll get there in a second. But we, uh, we, we need to, like, um, like, so have an idea of, like, where it is in, in the thing. And then we kind of have to, like, get the before and after so we know what's happening. Because if we just start, we get lost in it, right? We don't pick up on, on what we're saying. So there's the top ten. We already started reading, so we'll, we'll get there, okay? So either, these are Jackie's top ten thoughts on how to read the Bible that were taught to her by people wiser than herself. Okay, not a one of these came from me. They came from many, many different places. Um, and if you're like, hey, I want to know more about that, I can really re- recommend many resources, most of them much smaller than what we have studied in this class. Cool. Um, the first one is read through the Bible. Don't just let it fall open and pick a verse at random. Why? We just learned that, right? Surrounding context makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. And that's really important when determining, like, what does the scripture mean? Like, if you just pick one sentence, well, it's like, that can mean anything, right? That book could have been about a baby. It's about Evan Hansen. (laughs) But it could have been about a baby, right? But it's like, if we had read, like, that whole chapter, we would would have way better idea of what's going on in there, right? Um, So we need the context, okay? Second, pray for God to give you the understanding as you read, right? You pray. Um, and ask 
God to help us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will help us. Okay? Three, gain a working knowledge of the general timeline of the Bible, like we're talking about. As you read a book of the Bible, figure out when what you're reading took place in the timeline. This is super helpful. Um, and I didn't put this in, in there, but like also like the map. When we were talking about Jonah, right? Was that helpful? Mm-hmm. It's like the when and then like the where. Like you're looking at it and you're like, oh. Like we knew Jonah disobeyed, but we didn't really have the visual of like, Jonah was told to go right and he went very far left. You know, we, didn't, we don't get that. Um, so four, ask those grade school questions of who, what, where, when, why. Ask who wrote the book, who did they write it to, why did they write it, um, where was the writer, and where were the people that were receiving it. Those aren't always the same, right? So you get to, like, the New Testament, and you have Paul writing. Some of Paul's letters are, like, earlier in his ministry, and some of them are from the very end of his life when he's in a Roman prison. That's kind of important to know, right? And he's writing to people, and it's like, he writes to the Ephesians, and like, man, he planted that church himself. He led those people to Christ. He writes to the Colossians. He had never met them, right? And then we, that helps us understand his tone when he's writing and, and what he's talking about. And I mean, they're just kind of like context things. And these are like, not you have to go do like a big research paper, right? Like, you can just get a study Bible, like a life application Bible or any of those, and like, the first two pages before every book of the Bible has this information, right? So those are really helpful. Also, Lifeway is going out of state, out of business. So like all their Bibles are super on sale. So if you need a study Bible, I would jet to Lifeway in the next week or so. Um, right, their, their physical stores are going out of business. They will be online. But the things in the physical stores are like super cheap right now. So I would do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so you ask those grade school questions and then find out the answers to them. That's going to help you, right? going to help a lot. Um, five, figure out what happens right before and right after the passage you're reading, because a lot of times they're connected, and like my ladies that are in um, leader life group have, we've been talking about that as we read through the Sermon on the Mount, that it's like not just these little like thought blocks, but they kind of like all tie together, and, um, and that's important to recognize, right? So six, how would the people who originally read that book of the Bible or that passage of scripture understood it? You guys, this, for those that read the Bible and then misinterpret it, this is the number one thing that people usually do not get. They read it and they jump right to, this is what it means to me, right? But man, I promise you that those Ninevites, right? Like, they weren't on a college campus. They didn't wear Adidas tennis shoes, right? They're worlds away from us, so we kind of need to know what it meant to them, what Jonah spoke to them. Right. And we really only get like one sentence of what he spoke and then their response. Um, but we were talking about Nineveh, so that was helpful. Right? And, and it's like, we've never been to Ephesus. Right? We're not the same as the Ephesians. So we need to know what they would have understand Paul saying, understood Paul saying, until we decide what it means to us. So we don't understand what it originally meant. That we can't apply it right. We might apply it to our life, but we might kind of like misunderstand it and misinterpret it and then get some like very weird thoughts and and uh, like a lot of times you guys like some teachings jumps up and like I mean you see it like Facebook Twitter Instagram somebody's like well we all know like that based on the Bible this and you're like that is wacko <laughs> right okay sometimes those people are false teachers and they're intending to lead people astray 
a lot of times they jump straight from like the scripture to what this means to me. And they did not do the work of figuring out what it meant to the original people. And that's where that came from, right? And so like in an earnest place, they just kind of like jumped over all the, the important work. And then they're like, this means this. No, it does not. It does not. But we got we to gotta figure out what it originally meant to the people. Um, so seven, look at the differences between those people and yourself, right? So like sometimes that, that requires some study, a little less in the New Testament than like the old. But just figure out, at least get to a place where you're like, you know, I'm, maybe if you're like an Old Testament, I'm not Jewish. I've not wandered through the promised land. I've not, you know, like I've not actually experienced eating manna and having to gather it every day. Like, and just realize that it's a different world and you need to, to stop and kind of think about how would they have understood it, right? Um, so kind of realize how different it is because that's going to kind of like humble us and help us think about it as we, as we interpret it. Okay, eight, look up things you don't understand. Like, if you don't understand it, don't assume and don't guess. Like, look it up. And um, so these, these two, I think I put them up there. Yeah, blueletterbible.org and biblehub.com. Like, there's little websites, and they're super easy. Like, you just type in the verse, and it's like, you can find commentaries. You can find, like, little, like, diagrams that has, like, the original language and then the language you speak and then, like, what it meant, you know, um, and, and all of those. But those things are really helpful. So if you don't understand something, check into something like that. I recommend this over Wikipedia. Okay, Wikipedia sometimes offers some very interesting fallible things when it comes to uh, Bible interpretation. But still, like, try to understand. Don't just assume something. Nine, um, ask yourself how you can apply the passage you're reading in your own life, right? Kind of after you've thought about how would they have understood it originally. And you're like, how do I apply this in my life? And number 10, read. Just read. Start somewhere and read the Bible. Make a plan and read. Um, and that kind of goes back to the first one where it's like we say, don't let, just let it fall open, right? Well, it's like pick somewhere to start studying. You don't have to pick Genesis. Now, if you've been studying the Bible a while or you've grown up in church your whole life and you've heard the big stories and stuff, you might be ready for that, right? But if you are a brand new Christian or you're just seeking Christ and you don't know who he is, you might start there. You might start in one of the Gospels. We like John because it was written by his best friend, right? And if you're not going to write a book yourself, the next best thing is probably reading a book about you by your best friend. And, and so the book of John is good, right? And then, but I would encourage you to like read all the way through, right? So it's like maybe not one day, but like you read a chapter or two, next day read a chapter or two, right? And then you finish that one, you might go to Acts because that's the story of like the beginning of the church, which is like how we got the churches that are on every corner and things like High Alpha. And so that's important to know and being a Christian, but you would kind of like go all the way through those, right? And you get to the end of that, and, and you might like start to figure out what some of the other books are about and pick one to study. But eventually, you are going to want to read all the way through, so you have an idea of like what's in there, you know, and, and then you'll discover things like there's a book called Habakkuk, right? And, and Haggai and like all these people that like never get mentioned, right? And you'll figure out what's actually in Revelation, because um, movies, man, movies put some interesting things in Revelation. It's super interesting, but like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, 
you know, like, that we need to, like, read these things for ourselves and not just, like, take the media's word for it. Don't even just take Matt and I's word for it, right? But we want you guys to really know and, and study and learn to love scripture because, like, yes, you're in college and you're here to study and to grow, to become a professional in whatever field that you desire, right? Or you're seeking after, you're working on. But wouldn't it be cool to learn to study God's word while you're here too? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Because that's something you could take into your life, something you could take into that future job or maybe that already job for some of you guys, right? And then you can share with others. But if we don't ever understand or we get stuck at that place where we're like, well, I just read this one verse that popped up on the, um, what is this, the Bible app. You know, I read the verse of the day, and to me that means, like, man, we could be so much deeper, right? And we could have some, such better understanding. I guarantee you, you read all the way through the Bible, those verses make a lot more sense. And then you're like, oh, this means this, you know. And then your friend posts it, and you're like, that's not actually what that's about. Um, you know, but, but we, we really need to know these things, right? So God loves you. He sent his son to die for you, which is what we're celebrating this week. And God also left us a whole Bible full of his words, encouragement, and instructions for how to best live life, which is what we were talking about with Jonah. Jonah didn't think what God said was how, how to do what was best, right? But it, but it really was. God really does know best for Jonah. He knew best for Jonah. He knows best for us. So we need to open the Bible and see what it says. And so consider what Christ did for us. Wasn't he after our best? Right? He went, he went all the way to the cross. He endured some horrible things for us. He was after our best. Um, and if he was willing to go that far, can't we trust that his words for us are good? And that he's going to show us how to do life. Right? And so my encouragement tonight, I want to pray for us, but my encouragement is just to get into scripture, you know, and if, if you're not, try it. Just try it. You know, commit that like, hey, before the end of the summer, I'm going to read like this book of the Bible or like say you've never read John and Acts. Say, by the end of the summer, I'm going to read John and Acts. I'm going to figure out what's in there. If I have a question, I'm going to look it up or I'm going to text Matt and Jackie and be like, where do I look it up? <laughs> right? And that's okay. Those are our favorite questions. Oh my gosh, they're our favorite. If you have a question about the Bible, like that's, that's the cool question. That's what your campus pastor, you guys, you don't even know. Um, but, but really, I just encourage you to get in there if you're not in there and read it. And if you already are, then like you're nodding along and you're like, it's a good reminder. Like keep after it because I promise you when you arrive at the end of the semester, all you want to do, all I want to do, some in classes too, is sleep exactly. and rest and not think about anything, right? But then after you like go to bed after that first final and you have a full night's sleep and then like five more hours, wake up and think to yourself, maybe I can read a chapter of God's word. Yeah. That would be good for me, right? Because um, it's really not going to hurt you. It's only going to help. Um, so I would love to pray for you guys. Two things I want to pray for is if you don't know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, man, what better week? right, than Holy Week. We just talked about what Jesus did for us. The second one is if you say, hey, I want to start with that um, number two on the, the top ten of like, I need prayer that God will help me read his word. God will give me the want to read his word, right? So we'll pray for those two things.